This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hello to all of my automotive aftermarket peoples. It's Carm Capriato, Town Hall Academy from Remarkable Results Radio Podcast. Why do you hang out with us? Well, because you elevate yourself, and so goes your organization using the podcast as a guide to your service business acumen. Good to have you here. We are, oh my, we're going to talk about health scares. And don't tune out, don't turn it off, because believe you me, all of us on here have had some of the most critical life scares that could have possibly ever hit us at challenges at our very young ages. And uh, so we're here to talk about that because when you end up talking to people that have said, oh, this happened to me, this happened to me, I said, oh my God, we got to do an episode on it because our whole objective, guys, is to shake the tree a little bit from our fellow peers in the industry that may not feel 100%, may feel a little pressure here and this this joint doesn't work as it used to and how it can affect you, your life, your business, the world around you and the perpetuation of your of your business. And so that's kind of going to be our theme. We want to thank our partners so much for their support. Hey, you know, don't waste your text time while you start an RO from scratch. Dispatch faster so they get on with their repair. With Shopware's software exclusive expediter, your staff saves time, works more accurately, and speeds up service. Talk to my friends at Shopware. Get Shopware. Dot com. And did you clean the fuel tank the last time you replaced a fuel pump? Well, contamination buildup in the tank not only impacts the vehicle's performance, but it can also damage the fuel pump. Clean the fuel tank in five minutes with Delphi Technologies' fuel tank cleaning tool. Ask your distributor for one. I heard they were giving them out for free. Talk to my friends at DelphiAftermarket.com. And with me, Eric Henley, H-Tech Auto Care, Gary, Tennessee. Hey, Eric. Hey, how you doing today, Carm? Great, man. A four-day work week, fourth generation, 15 years at a haunted dealership, 15 years in the business, a six-bay shop. Thank you for being here. Al Wright is here from John's Automotive in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Business since 85. Spent some time in the dealerships. He's got a partner four years since being a partner in the shop. But uh, been at that business for 15 years. Good to have you here, Al. Thanks, Carm. Matt Wegg's here. Accelerated Diagnostics and Automotive. Bennington, Nate Baraska, former dealer tech, trainer, teacher, started in the shop. Matt's got a great story. He's been on the podcast before and told us this great story. He enrolled in an evening class. I so adore that entrepreneurial 101. Mm -hmm. Wrote the business plan. The bank said, get out of here. And then you pull it all together, you recreated your plan, and then they finally, and the SBA came up with the money to help you out, and it took two years of your financing. So great people, good stock, and we all have issues, including me. I have stents in my heart. Eric, wow, aneurysm, new valve, Al Wright, stents, heart attack. Matt, you lost your elbow. Oh. God, how could that possibly what be? What a day. <laughs> so please stick around and listen to these stories because there are warning signs, and that's what we're here to talk about. Eric, let's start with you. You were the epitome, the epitome of health. Yes. Exercise, good diet, take care of yourself, regular checkups, and yeah, surprise. <laughs> you run miles and miles on the roads, you feel fine. Just go in on a fluke to get checked out because same age my dad was when he had problems. No high cholesterol, no nothing, and aortic aneurysm. So, yeah, 
How are those repaired? Do they put some kind of artificial thing in place? It is, yeah. It's a fabric. Uh, They go up and clip it where it's good at, and then they take it off the top of your heart. And then the valve was bad, too. They discovered the valve was defective, really bad. No symptoms again. And so they put an oversized cow valve in there, basically. So I'm, it's all new. I'm all good. 50 years. And Eric uh, involved the Cleveland Clinic, even though he's from Tennessee. And, and that, that's a really cool part of the story. Al, my God, stents. You even told me you gave up alcohol because you were so shocked by this change in your life. Give us the uh, the overview. Farm, I was 48 years old and, and uh, had no symptoms at all. Like like Eric said, had no symptoms at all. Came home on a Friday afternoon and just something just didn't feel right. And I had more of an indigestion, heartburn type feel. Thankfully, my son snuck in his bedroom and called my called my wife. And she came home and said, let's go to, you know, you do look awful white. Let's go get checked out. I went in and... Uh, they hooked an EKG machine up right away, and and everything was the, the it was acute elevation. The topra and everything was elevated, and uh, they rushed me to the the bigger city in Cedar Rapids by ambulance. And I uh, got there, and and uh, all I remember is the doctor saying, "We got to get him upstairs. We're going to lose him. We're going to lose him." And I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" And I went into the cath lab, and he says, "Yeah, you're having a heart attack." I said, ah, "I'm not having no damn heart attack." I said, "I'm 48 years old. I." I I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not having a heart attack. And I had, uh, had basically 100% blockage on one side and, uh, and 80 some percent on the other side. So, you know, and I was the same as Eric. I, I had taken care of myself. I mean, I was hard on my body when I was younger. And, you know, then I just, so many things have changed since then. Guys, this hard on my body thing is, is so interesting. Eric, you just were the epitome of an exercise guy. Al, what do you mean you were hard on your body? What did you do? You know, race motorcycles for years and drag racing and just... You put yourself at risk. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah, but I did, you know, I, I was a party animal when I was younger and, and uh, smoking and drinking. And, ah. you know, I never thought I'm not overweight. I, you know, I was 170 pounds at the time, 48 years old. And I thought there's no way I'm having a heart attack. I'm, I mean, I'm the furthest thing from somebody you think was having a heart attack. I'm active with all three of my kids on the go all the time, but I soon realized that from what the doctors told me that that, you know, I thought I'm on my feet all day long at the shop. I'm with, active with my kids. And the doctor says, well, that's not exercise. He says, you need to get on a treadmill. You need to get walking, running because your heart rate doesn't get high enough, you know, just walking. And so, uh, yeah, it was uh, life-changing. Yeah, for me too. And again, maybe it's Eric and Al and myself that have that heredity thing going. And I think it's critical to think that through, right, Eric? Yeah, it is. Yeah. My father had a uh, genetic, uh, he had the aortic aneurysm. He didn't tell me about it until after I discovered I had one. But at any rate, yeah, so that's a genetic thing. It's hard to control that. But uh, like we talked about going for regular checkups, we talk about people making sure they maintain their cars. Well, just because you go to the doctor doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong, but he may discover something, and thankfully they did. And so I'm still here. I could have not been here for my family or my employees or a lot of people who count on me. I've been an athlete my whole life. I've played basketball, I've run, lifted weights, all the good things you're supposed to do. I've eaten well. Unfortunately, I inherited a a good cholesterol, but... uh, then they give you a 50-pound weight restriction and tell you you can't push cars in one of the guys. And you can't pull on, you know, all the stuff we do as mechanics and guys in a trade. You guys holler at you, hey, come help us push this in. You just feel feeble. It's very humbling. 
Well, for sure, we want to talk about what's next when something like this happens. And Matt, I want to get to you in a minute, but I, since we're on the heart thing, I'm going to share my story about the heart. I reached a milestone birthday uh, when my dad had his open heart, and I was so lucky to think, wow, I made it. This is great. Six months later, I'm having five stents. And a really interesting and quick story. I went to the cardiologist. He put me through all of the, the routines, guys, that you all know that I had to have over a couple of days. And then onto the table to get my angiogram done. He's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm looking, of course, at the film or, or at least the screen, asking questions. And he says, look at Carm. He says, the good news is we found your problem. The bad news is it's pretty bad. And uh, we may have to do open heart. And I immediately, I'm on the table, semi-drugged up, and I said to him, you are not wheeling me into another room and cracking my chest. You're just not. I refuse. He says, no, 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 no. He says, all the doctors have to play here in this whole decision. He says, but we're going to get the open heart surgeon in, and then we're going to get the stent doctor in. Open heart guy comes in, looks at it. He says, you're a candidate for this. He says, he says, but you're in too good of a shape. Everything's too good for you to want to stop and think we want to crack your chest. So I hope the stent doctor comes in and thinks it, he can pull this thing off. It's going to be pretty difficult. The stent doctor comes in. I'm going fast here. He looks at the film. I'm still laying on the table. And he's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he bends down. He gets in my ear. And he says to me, Carm, these are going to be really, really hard. But I think I can do them. So I wake up in recovery. The open heart doctor standing at the end of my bed with my wife and the cardiologist. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they all went and had a huddle meeting. And they're standing there, and I'm going, oh, what did they decide that I didn't have any input on? The open-heart doctor says, look, if Dr. Ayer says that he can do it, let him do it. And so it took two weeks to schedule me. I have a 98% blockage in my Widowmaker vein. Aorta, what do they call it? Cardiac artery. Cardiac artery. It took two weeks to schedule. I'm on pins and needles, stressed to the max. And then it took two surgeries to actually do it all. Interesting. So that's my little story. I feel great. And by the way, a big piece of advice, a great piece of advice for everyone is I continue to see that cardiologist who did the stents every year. Actually, it was twice a year for like eight years. And now I'm down. And I recently had a stress test a year ago and they took me off of my blood thinner. I don't know if you guys are on that or not, but I think the medical regime and staying, doing what they say, I'm on the treadmill every day. You know, I think my diet's better than it ever was. I quit smoking 30 years ago, but so much of what I think happened to me was partially hereditary. But I want to go to Matt Wagg, who actually had a life-changing accident. And so Matt, and again, we could have a car crash, anything can happen, fall off a roof, I mean, all the crazy things that we do. So tell us your story. My son, he skateboards. He's in his, his early teens. And I used to skateboard when I was much younger as well. And, and one year for Christmas, this was about two years ago, he decided to buy dad a skateboard again. And I haven't been on a skateboard in probably a decade. So I think you guys could see where this is going. But <laughs> now when I used to skateboard, it used to be almost at a competitive level. So I mean, a lot of tricks and stuff. I was pretty good at it. So when you get back into it at my age, and, and I'm in my mid-30s now, so you're not as uh, limber and you can't take blows and falls as much. But anyways, I had picked it back up and a lot of it, it comes back to you. So like a lot of you guys, I've kind of kept in good physical shape and I do exercise quite a bit and I'm active with my kids in sports. And so this was just kind of a nice hobby that I picked back up again. And it was kind of relaxing and enjoyable. And it was a good bonding moment for my son and I, we would go skateboard all the time here. So we take little weekend trips periodically throughout the year. And we decided to go to Kansas City um, back in the end of September. 
And part of our weekend trips is we try to find a skateboard park and and we would go and that way my son could skate and, and do whatever he was wanting to do. And so I took my skateboard along to that one as well and and just made a bad judgment call is ultimately what it came down to and tried a trick that I probably shouldn't have down a, a little railing that goes down the stair set and uh, fell about 10 feet, landed on my arm and immediately knew I broke it, knew something was bad. So I'm three hours from home and to make this worse, my wife had our two youngest kids. She and the two youngest kids were at the Children's Museum in Kansas City. So she had just dropped me and my oldest son off and was going to pick us up a couple hours later. So my son had to witness all of this. So he got to see, too, that dad's human and, and uh, dad can also have accidents as well. And, and he got to help me. So he was, he was my hero that day, believe it or not. And we, he called mom. And then I'm trying to Google with one hand, where's the emergency room at? And I mean, your life changes right then. I just knew. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Young man, uh, what, a year and a half into business when it happened? That month was our second anniversary. So two years in business. Yep. Second. Wow. Amazing. And uh, I've heard this story in the past, which is, of course, why you're here, because it, it everything has to do with how does the business sustain itself? And I think that's part of where we want to go next. But I want to share with you all a picture. We were at, uh, at Apex this past year, and we went into the Dorman booth. I had already known about Matt's very, very serious injury and how bad it was. And we were walking by many of the displays and we saw this incredible, if you will, ball and knuckle thing from Dorman. Now bring up the picture, Tracy. Hey. <laughs> and so we both together said, oh, my God, it's Matt Wag. It's for Matt Wag. We got to get this to him. I like that. Yeah, we thought we thought it was something that you could get implanted. <laughs> yeah. So we got the x-rays in Kansas City, and they said basically there's the end of, you get two lower arm bones, there's an ulna and a radius, and the radius is the one that allows you to twist your wrist. It's more of a support bone. Um, I shattered the head of my radius, which is what joints up into the elbow, and, and a lot of times they can repair it, but mine was shattered so badly it tore a ligament and broke into about six pieces. So we had to have the radial head replaced, and it looks much like much like that ball joint there that's in my arm. So. We didn't have any medical background, but we said, oh, my God, Matt Wag, it's for Matt. That's what it looks like, yeah. That's yeah, what it looks like. Thank you for that story, and, and thank you for letting us to share that picture. We've been sitting on that picture for, what, six months now. Al, let's get back to uh, what it really takes to you know sustain the business and a little bit about how the troops rallied to uh, behind you when you were out of commission. Part of it was, is I had just taken over the business when this happened and I had bought the other partner out and I had no service rider. I had uh, just myself and my technicians and I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Thankfully, I had several guys through Midwest Auto Care that were very supportive. I had several guys uh, that were 100 miles away or whatever say, hey, we'll come run your shop. And I thought about doing it. And I thought, you know, it's just not fair to my guys. These guys are going to come in. These guys don't know them. They don't understand how we run. So is this going to be uncomfortable for my guys? So we ended up shutting the shop down for a week. And you don't think about things like that. It's that what if and, and having the right people in the right places. And so shortly after that, I hired a service writer, kind of a service manager. To this day, he, I, I can be gone and he can run and things perfectly smooth. Uh, I'm very blessed with that. But it makes you think, man, what do, I need to get the right people in the right places. You know, at the time, we had, like I said, I had just taken over. So we were still kind of in guidance or direction mode, you know, trying to figure out what we, how we were going to do things and some changes that we were making. And it was just, uh, again, it was life changing. I'm thinking, man, it's not fair. I mean, I paid my guys for that week that we were closed. 
you know, it's not their fault. It's not. So I, I was able to do that. So, you know, when you think of a business being closed for the week, plus play, paying your employees for that week, it's a huge chunk of change, And but it was the right thing to do. Eric, the sustainability of the business while you were down for the count. I had a good staff in place. I had good, all my front was knew what to do. All my technicians knew what to do. We communicated our policies. They knew what was coming. I, I didn't hide anything from them. And so everything went without any problem at all. I, I, they didn't have to get in touch with me about anything. They took care of any problem. And I had complete peace that I could just recover from what I was going through. And then the other thing is I, if something went wrong, the 20 group I'm in, group two, man, they call and check on my, me, my wife. They call the business. Say, is there anything we can do to help? So I had tons of support. I just felt like, you know, I was just held, completely taken care of in this. And, you know, to be in that position when you're going through such a serious surgery, what more can you ask for? Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a can job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? No, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours. Check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then get this. They pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. What I'm hearing from Al, what I'm hearing from Eric, and I know I'm going to hear from Matt, is the outpouring of support that comes from your peers in your network, which is why it's so important to be and have a network. And the other piece is, hey, guys, I know you'll be there for me if something ever happens. Nothing ever will. But just in case, it goes without saying. But your people, to I think both of your points, and Al, to, you know, to everyone's point, is if we're having our weekly huddle or our monthly meeting, and I just want to bring up, just in case something ever, you know, really bad happens, you know, life goes on and we sometimes can get into situations we are not planning on. I would expect here I'm, if you had something happen to you and you're in the hospital, your people are going, oh, what do we do now? Just the fact that you're having a few discussions on sustainability 
and what I would expect from each of you to pull this thing off while I have to recover or something happens to my family and I have to be away for X amount of time. I have to tell you, it seems to me that if the more your people know, the more they care that you care that they can lead. What say you? I say, yeah, you trust them. I mean, you give them what is to be done, the policies and procedures, and you not only just print them out, you talk to them about them, you live it out before them, and then you trust them to do what what they're trained to do, and they do it. And you give them confidence in them. You don't give them doubt. You want to take away the hey, Eric's, and say, I know what to do. And I agree 100% with you, Eric, because when I hired Doug, my service advisor, it was him and I had worked together 25 years ago at a dealership. And so he's been in the business a long time, stepped right in and was able to operate our system and everything fairly quick. And now it's just like you say, you let them do their thing. And that's, I think, what's so hard for some people to do is just let go of it and, and hire rock star employees and let them do their job. You know, Doug sits next to me at the counter. If I'm at the counter, he's right next to me. And, and for the first year or so, I was here every day with him. So he was next to me. I said, you know what? You're going to make nine times out of 10, you're going to make the same call or same decision I would because we're so much alike. And, and, and the business, the way the phone's answered, the way we contact customers, everything is the same. And it's just like you don't skip a beat now and uh, everything just kind of rolls. But I said, you know, if there's an issue and we need to have that conversation. If I don't think it was the right call, we'll talk about that. But I said, nine times out of 10, you're going to make the same decision I would make. You know, especially right after my heart attack, that was the biggest thing my doctor said is you need to lower that stress level. And, and I'm thinking, okay, I go back to the shop. How am I going to do this? And I just let things go. I just let things kind of flow. And, and they took care of things. The guys did a great job. As Carmen was saying, that the support that I had to know that if I had to be gone again or something, hey, I, this one week out is not enough time. I need more time. I had people that could step in. We're going to talk about stress here in a few minutes, but Mag, two-year-old business and you're down for the count, uh, probably, you know, the staff, how long they've been with you? Very short time. So at that time, my longest tenured staff member had only been, you know, I had two guys I hired within a week of each other and they had been there just over a year. So again, we're we're a really new business and and we started in September 2020 and it was just me. And I think back to how fortunate I am that this accident happened when it did, because if it had happened two years ago when we first opened or even a year ago, I more than likely would have, you know, a year ago would have been tough, might have made it through. But two years ago, I would have had to close the business for sure. You know, having a new team and then this is where it gets into the importance of like, you know, and I couldn't be more thankful for my coach, Bill, just because Bill's helped me. And I hired a coach early on when I went into business because I don't know what I don't know. And I come from an educational background myself, as you called out, but I wanted to know how to run the business. And so back at the beginning, you know, end of 2021 and throughout 2022, Bill and I have been working on getting me more out of the business because there was a lot of weeks of that year that I was still flagging 20, 30 hours a week on cars, or I was writing service at the counter. And the day I got injured, I was telling my wife, you know, right after we got out of the emergency room, because she's obviously, you know, distressed about what's going to happen and what did happen and what's going to happen at the business. And I told her, I said, everything's going to be just fine. I said, this couldn't have happened at a better time. <laughs> Think about two years ago. I said, we have the things in place now that this is going to work. I said, we can make this work. We've got all the right people in place. I'm really fortunate. I've got a service advisor, Jake, and I can't be more thankful for him, but this guy just steps up to the plate whenever needed and he just makes it happen. Matt, don't worry about it. We got this. 
And he just takes charge. And man, I wasn't there a whole lot that month of October, this past October. And these guys just knocked it out of the park. What an optimist. It couldn't have happened at a better time. <laughs> and somebody's had it worse than me. But <laughs> yeah, I'm so moved by that. those thoughts of optimism by saying, hey, we can get through this. And in fact, that's the right way to look at everything. I don't know about you guys, but that's how I am. It's hard to do, but it is the way to do it. Mindset. Yep. If nobody dies, then we're okay. And so let's just move forward. Let's figure out how to do it. Whatever resources that you have, you know, call a friend, whatever. And it goes back to, you know, something that Al said about the support and, and Eric in your, uh, you know, your RLO group, which is now the group at the Institute. Institute, yep. I always go back to what we call our back catalog. I mean, we've got over 1,100 episodes in all of our different shows, right? It's out there on the website. Is, we did an episode back in 2018 with a group from Canada where a guy had the similar thing, heart attack. And his buddies in the marketplace, all within like within a 10 mile marketplace that have been in a group together, know each other really well. They came in and ran his place and they talk about what they learned by being in his business. Each of them went on a different day. One guy was a good computer guy. One guy was and they all brought their little levels of expertise and they changed his business for him. And then they took ideas back into their business that he was doing. And, of course, we had Mark Bergasi, who, who got ill on, and the three guys who helped him. What an incredible hoot that episode was because they helped him out, Al. So much, no different than what happened to you and Eric and Matt. I'm not sure if Bill Haas flew into town and ran your business for you, but that, in essence, is what this whole networking thing is all about. I called on some of my group, Carl Hutchinson, Jennifer Holbert. AJ Neely, a bunch of those guys said, listen, if something happens, can you help me? And they were all like, yes, we're there for you. It's great. They've all been on the podcast. It's so nice to know this incredible core of great operators. Let's talk about stress. They tell us it's a killer. We know it's a killer. Al, what did you do to change your stress level, if there was any at all? I mean, you're in the hot tub every night. Maybe that really reduces stress. One of the biggest things I learned from this was in... Several years back, I moved about 30 miles west of the town that the shop's in. And, you know, when I first moved out there, it's like, oh, you're, you're driving that far. Don't you hate that drive? And that's one thing that I am blessed now because I realize that when I leave the shop, I leave the shop at the shop. And when I leave home, I leave home at home. And that released, you know, early on, I was here long hours. I was going through a lot of things uh, with the business stuff and that what ifs, the nerves, the, you know, I've got three kids. This is my livelihood. My wife worked part time. I'm the support of the family. It was just so much building up. You know, it's never easy. It's, I always joke around and tell people, you know, they say, what do you think about owning a business? I said, yeah, I love it now. But I said early on, I said, it was nice to leave at five o'clock and know that when I walked out of there, it was somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. And now is my problem. So you know, I learned to deal with things a different way, personally and in the business. I so understand the decompress piece on the drive home. Because when I worked, I traveled an awful lot. But when I was in town, I had to go 40 miles to our HQ. And uh, it wasn't fun in the morning because you're building and anticipating your day. But on the way home, whew, wow, what a way to tone down. Oh, I love it. 
It gives you a chance to unwind and, like I say, leave stuff at the shop. You know, leave it there. You know, and, and I wasn't one that came home very often in a, in a bad mood or anything. I, I was always told myself I would never do that. If it got to the point where I was coming home and, and upset and in a bad mood and taking it out on the wife and kids, things like that, that I wasn't going to do it. And things have changed so much. As I said earlier, Carmen, we were talking, I love coming to shop. I, I mean, there's not a day that I get up and think, oh, geez, I got to go to work today. I love being here. Yeah. And my guys, I, it's we're like family. Eric, let's talk about stress and and hiring a fitness coach, which you told me that you did. Let's get into what happens, you know, in the corrective side of once you've got yourself fixed. As far as stress goes, I would say I've had lots of time freedoms. As speaking to what Matt mentioned earlier, I was coached to to release a lot of that. So I've had more time at home than I've had in a long time. Now you know we had the four day work week. But then coming out of something major like this, I thought, you know, I want to recover as good as I could. So I made the investment into a fitness and nutrition coach. And I got particular exercises that were acceptable for for movement since my chest had been open. And they were, uh, say, age appropriate. So not like bodybuilder type stuff. Okay, sure. But just strengthening. And then he did all kinds of tests just to see if I had any holes in my nutrition. And came up with a dietary plan for me to eat better, feel better, be stronger. And I mean, like I said, six weeks out, I was back to walking and a lot of regular things. I'm six months out now. I can lift weights. I can run. I can walk. And I feel really good. You know, I, I can't tell that I've had my chest cracked open. There's no more pain there anymore. I work out with my guys. I've got uh, three service advisors and my maintenance guy and another technician. We meet at the gym at lunch and work out together. And I've got accountability partners, Barry Barrett, AJ Carl, and Joe Hansen are all my thank WhatsApp. So you got to have people push you along too. You're accountable to them. But really, that's it. I mean, it's people say it is remarkable how well you've recovered. For me, it just seems like normal, but they're like, nobody recovers like that. So I'm grateful. Are you still running? Yeah, back to running. So I ran three miles just the other day, most of it running, a few little walks here and there. But uh, I was, just to tell you where I was at, I was running three, five, seven, sometimes 10 miles on long runs on the weekend. So, you know, uh, that's how much I like it. Still not there yet, but I intend to get back to that. I recently saw you. You were in great, great shape. No one would have ever thought or known. No, it is remarkable, the recovery. It is completely so, Matt, stress busting, you probably don't have any as a young business owner in this incredible industry of ours that has zero stress in growing a great business, do you? I don't think I do. No. <laughs> no. I've had my fair share of it. And uh, that was one of the things, I think, after the first couple days of injury and once I was planning the surgery, knowing what was going to happen, um, that's when things started to settle in and, you know, I'm like, okay, what, you know, what's going to happen financially to the business? And, and uh, I think I still have quite a bit of stress about that because we are so new of a business still, you know, what's going to happen, you know, and I hadn't thought about these things. And that's kind of a big piece of advice that I wanted to, to stress today was what if something does happen to you and what are you going to do if it does, you know, do you have a plan and write a plan? And so prior to having my surgery. So once I broke my arm and before we had the very first surgery to replace the elbow, I had my wife help me and we wrote out like a six, six page plan of what she needs to do. Say I die or something happens and I'm critically injured. And I mean, it's, it's detailed and now we've got, we know what's going to happen. And then, you know, step one on that is call Bill Haas, you know? So my wife knows that Bill's there as an asset and, and he'll help her. And now some of it too, is that like, I can't, not that I'm trying to be out in the shop all the time, but say I lose an employee or I have a guy that takes vacation or, 
you know, I can't go fill in right now because I still can't use my arm. And that stresses me out because we're still a very growing business. And we've been trying to hire the right technician for several months. And, you know, it's just, we're having a hard time with that. So it, it makes it tough, you know, say we lost a guy now and I can't go back out and do what I used to do if I ever needed to. So that's what really worries me. So still got stress, but hopefully after the next surgery, that'll be eased. And, but that's what you try to do is you just take it a day at a time and, and you start to build contingencies for things. That's the biggest and train people and empower them. And that's what I've, I've learned the most about this is that, you know what, we had a lot of these things in place, but now it's just empower your team to do the right thing and make the calls and, and trust them to get out of their way. Don't stand in front of them and. That's what I think I've learned the most here that's helped me with ease my stress. I find what Matt just said is a very powerful segment of this episode that we're doing. We did an episode with Seth Thorson back in April 2021 in the back catalog. It's episode 635, and it was called the Yellow and Red Envelopes. And so what Seth did is in the yellow envelope is what happens if he is incapacitated but still here hospital for a certain length of time, who does what when they do it? If he dies, the red envelope is for the wife and what she does. So to the point that you just bring up, Matt, as such a young business person, two years in business to have a plan like that. And then, of course, as we talked earlier, to reach out to your people. So, so important. I think that's one of the big messages that are that's coming out of an episode on health scare is you all made it. You know, Eric, you, you may not have. And then what happens? And I know you wanted to cover that. Like I said er in earlier, is all these people depend on you. If you don't have the information you just mentioned, that here's what you do when I'm not here. Here's what happens when I'm not here. And I do have that too. I have a will I set up about five years ago, and I've got instructions for my family of what to do, both verbally and in, and in writing. Uh, so they know what to do. And so... Fortunately, when we got through it all, no problems at all, and everything's fine. So, you know, it's that book of passwords, everyone, that sometimes you hold somewhere up here in the gray cells and it never gets put on paper. Listen, I know we can't individually take the hundreds of thousands of people that work in this industry and change their world, but we can do it through storytelling like we just did. And that's what I love to do is to share stories that may motivate people to find them selves the ability to change, move forward, take a great idea, make it your own and move forward and be more successful than you currently are. Let's go around the room. If there's anything that you wanted to speak to or talk about that maybe we didn't get a chance to, or you want to just look that audience straight in the eye and read them the right act, we'll do Al, Matt, and then Eric. Al, I'll let you go first. It's the last call at the bar. I just want to say, you know, my biggest thing was out of all this was sharing that story as my nurse told me, even when I was in the hospital, they had a friend that was the same way because I was this close to taking some ibuprofen and going to bed. And you listen to your body. I will say that your body knows best. Your body knows you better than anybody. And that was huge for me because when they told me that if I would have took aspirin and not been here, I would. Yeah, my doctor told me, he said, if you would have took aspirin or ibuprofen, I said, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have woke up. And to open your eyes, to have something like that said to you, and not only that, but if anything, I, I want to help other people be it, so that they do do that, that they listen to their body. I'm grateful for my story. Uh, I'm grateful for the fact that even my father just had uh, open heart surgery in October, never had really any symptoms and stuff, had some shortness of breath and things like that. 
But I think part of it was knowing that, you know, what I went through that may have encouraged him a little bit to get checked out and and find out. And he's doing great now. And uh, in fact, I believe they're watching. So love you, mom and dad. Thanks. You know, to share that story. And so people understand that, hey, you may not always have the symptoms. You may not always have the severe pain or anything, but listen to your body. Great advice, Al. Matt? The closing thoughts for me would be, I just would like everybody that's watching this or does watch this in the future to ask yourself, you know, what would you do if something happened? Because I didn't think anything would happen to me like this. I mean, it could be an injury. It could be a health issue. It could be, you know, just anything that takes you out of the business for a period of time and ask yourself, you know, what would happen to the business? You know, am I going to be able to still work? Do I have people there that can fill in for me? Is my business able to operate with me outside of it? You know, ask yourself those tough questions. I think a lot of us are in denial to ask those things, but uh, the big thing is just believe something can happen to you. It might happen to you. Hopefully it never does. But all of us here in this podcast today have had stuff that has affected us and taken us out of work. And and fortunately, we've all made it through. But uh, And if we can do anything here today, it's hopefully help somebody that's not prepared to be able to make it through one of these more challenging things that might happen in life. So get a plan, you know, who's going to fill in, write it down, make sure people know about it, know what to do. That's my biggest piece of advice here. Great advice. Please listen to that, everyone. Eric, I'm going to hold you because I'm going to actually take a last word. This is the first time ever in hundreds and hundreds of episodes that I'm going to take the liberty. If you heard me in the beginning talking about it, it took two uh, operations to get all five stents put in my heart. And on the uh, the second operation, they kept me overnight. It's two o'clock in the morning. You know, the nurses come in and they're doing all the vitals. And the nurse takes the chart off the end of the bed. And she looks at me. She goes, you shouldn't be here. And I go, what do you mean? A different room? It shouldn't have stayed overnight? She says, you shouldn't be here. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you shouldn't be here. Then I said, why am I here? She says, our body is an incredible machine. And it found ways to nourish your heart so you didn't have a heart attack. Thank God. Wow. Yep. Eric? I want to thank God, too, for that. So divinely moved me to go when I didn't have any symptoms. Take care of your body. It's the only body you got. Mm -hmm. You serve people with it. And then I'm there for my parents. I got aging parents, like what Al mentioned. My dad had lymphoma this past year. I'm there for him. My mother fell out of bed New Year's Day, broke a hip. I'm there for her. I'm strong enough to help her. Make sure you're accountable to people for your business, for your personal life, for your fitness. And, uh, That last thing that Chip shared at the conference, motion is medicine. Stay in motion. Take care of yourself. Boy, that was great. In fact, uh, his episode that I recorded with him, Eric, is coming out very soon. And for anyone who did not have a chance to hear him, you're going to have a chance to hear him. Almost duplicate. Thank you so much for that, guys. Our mission is to change the world, especially of the automotive aftermarket. And I think we actually made some very poignant changes here today, or at least we, I think we got through to some people. Eric Henley, HTech Auto Care, uh, Gary Tennessee, Al Wright, John's Automotive, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and Matt Wagg, Accelerated Diagnostics and Automotive, Bennington, Nebraska. Thank you all so much for sharing your personal stories. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 